Yes, we do. Every single Saturday on these airwaves. My name's KCC, the voice of your valley. On Mercedes News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. Come on. That's you, Merced. Winton. Those Pagos. Two sticks. Ah, here we are, Saturday morning. Early, 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 early July. That's for you, Maryland. Every single Saturday. Try to bring you original content a little bit. A little bit of original content. As best we can. July 17th, 2021, the 6 a.m. hour. The sun is almost up. It's going to be a uh, fairly nice weekend. I'll tell you, this week, really get spoiled with these under the 100 degree weather weeks. Very good for the fire up there in the Mariposa, Madera County area. I had a chance to go to a little community called Fish Camp earlier this week on a service call. It was a big one, big, big service call, but it was a lot of fun to get up there into the hills. Amazing to see some of the latent destruction from the previous wildfires on the right up through Highway 41. Of course, lots of fire trucks, lots of apparatus going back and forth, personnel, just absolutely amazing. I think what's interesting about that fire is how and when and where it started. You may have heard on the morning news at 6 that there was a murder in Mariposa last Saturday. I, they, they said a, a cartel murder, and I didn't say a Mexican cartel, uh, the uh, Scottish cartel, Scandinavian cartel. I don't know which cartel it was, but they just said a cartel murder at a uh, marijuana grow, evidently one of many up there in the Stumpfield Mountain Road area where this murder occurred last Saturday in Mariposa County. And then very, uh, I don't know, would you say coincidentally, ironically, just so happened that a fire started in the uh, very same area just a few hours after that murder, and we now call that the River Fire. So uh, really interesting that Mariposa County, usually fairly quiet, uh, the gateway to Yosemite, Runs through Merced up into Mariposa County, the all-weather highway. And it's just a Highway 140. Very, very interesting to me uh, that they acknowledge that this is cartel activity right off the giddy-up. Evidently, the individual that died, uh, I think he was around 50 years old, the other individual that shot him, accused of shooting him, uh, around 50, driven to Modesto Area Hospital by his girlfriend. No need to call the police. But again, uh, cartel marijuana grows, I guess, are a bit clandestine. And I don't know what the sheriff is doing or going to do about it. I'm sure that uh, he'll bring the forces to bear. I know that Merced and Mariposa jointly work together on a lot of these issues, these law enforcement issues. And I'm sure what happens in Mariposa 
also uh, transcends down the valley into Merced County and some of the other surrounding counties. So very, very interesting. Not only the murder, uh, cartel-related murder here in our backyard in Mariposa County, but also a fire started in the same area as that murder around the same time. So you would have to uh, find that just, well, however you find that. And I hope they find the cause of that fire. I haven't heard anything about it other than the containment. And again, the cool weather that we witnessed this week has has helped with that containment. And I, I hope that that continues. It's supposed to warm up again. Again, take care of those pets, animals, and old people. All susceptible to the weather. While we were up in fish camp on the big service call, went by Camp Green Meadows. One of my favorite MCOE endeavors. You can't go wrong up at 5,000 feet. So many of our young people never really get above the elevation that Merced is at. And to get up in the foothills, up into the mountains, and to see the majestic Sierras. And uh, it's, just, it's just absolutely amazing. It was really nice uh, nice to go by and see the progress being made on the new nurses' station. Absolutely unbelievable. Talk about a facility. Nothing but the best construction materials. The workers were busy as bees in a hive working on it. Of course, as you know, they're still uh, not having any students up there as far as I know. We didn't see any. But uh, very, very impressive. The grounds very, very, very well maintained, very well kept. The driveway going in very wide, unlike the streets leading up to it. I remember the bus trip up there. And we were wondering, I was wondering if we were going to make it. Some of those big Via buses. But uh, just an absolutely wonderful experience up there in the hills for our young people. Camp Green Meadows, one of the best things that MCOE does for our school children. And it's so good to see them now uh, for the past few years getting our, our local children first and foremost up there. Uh, into that environment, exposing them to that environment. So it was a nice uh, nice excursion up into the foothills, but very disappointing to see the fire activity. I won't say this early in the year. We're in mid-July. It was only, uh, what, five short years ago that the Detweiler fire ravaged the Mariposa area. I'll never forget that. So seeing all of those trucks, all that, all those personnel, and of course there have been homes lost. Uh, in this latest uh, river fire, of course, there's fires burning all over the West, up in Oregon and Washington. Just some really, really horrible things going on. So, I don't know. The weather the weather is what it is. Water, of course, is a huge, huge, huge deal. There was a big photo opportunity over on the West Side to, uh, I think, State Senator Padilla was out there with our local supervisors Jim Costa, our congressman, again, want to thank Congressman Costa for coming in last week. Uh, an interview, he had requested to come in, spend some time with us. Only had a half hour. For those of you that may have missed that, we are going to uh, give you that interview again at 9 o'clock in the bonus half hour. As you know, we like to get our guests a uh, double tap, if you will, two weekends in a row. I don't have a separate half hour, so we're just going to replay Jim. Congressman Costa, 16th Congressional District in the 9 o'clock hour, if you missed that interview. But water is a big topic, as you know. 
from the city of uh, Los Banos. Is neat. Or Dos Palace. I think it was Dos Palace. They were talking about getting a new water system in there to supply the city with water, a more reliable source. They've been coming off the aqueduct. Sometimes that either gets plugged up or fouled up in some sort of bacteria, some sort of treatment issues. But now they're working on that. And again, the access to clear, clean water is a, a very big deal. We hear that talked about at the city council meetings. Interesting, John Derby. This week in the Merced County Times had a experience of his, his well going dry. You wake up, no water out of the tap. You check the breaker. You you hope that a, a pipe is broken somewhere and it's an easy fix. And then you realize the hole in the ground where the water comes out of has a problem. And let me assure you that is not inexpensive to have one of our local well service companies come out and Service that, as Mr. Derby's editorial this week in the Merced County Times indicates, uh, what thirty-six hundred dollars. I don't, I don't know my limit. First of all, there's not that, <laughs> there's not that in the account, let alone the limit to go to the ATM on an after-hours basis. So uh, very, and a lot of people are going through that. I'll tell you, the water levels uh, sinking here in the valley, uh, people having to drop their wells, or if they're lucky enough to drill a new well. But uh, very interesting, John Derby's, edit, uh, I guess it's an editorial's opinion piece that he has uh, every week in the Merced County Times. Didn't really t- say what the end result of the expenditure. He was on his way to the bank to get the money, and that's where it uh, where it dropped off. So we'll have to have a follow-up on if he was successful getting water, because if that didn't work, then what do you do? And that was one of the things they were talking about in the city council meeting um, Merced City Council meeting a couple of weeks ago about houses that uh, people that have uh, lost their water service, uh, very, very, very expensive uh, to connect to city water service, that sort of thing. And maybe having monies in some of this affordable housing, some of these affordable housing monies, these HUD money, housing and urban development funds that come to us through the federal government, maybe using that on existing houses to make them hospitable, habitable. Because without running water, uh, without water, well, it's uh, it's not, uh, I don't think you can, uh, it's a pretty difficult situation. Uh, Speaking of the city council meeting, there's going to be one here in Merced on Monday night, this coming Monday night, the 19th of July. I was going back through, as you know, we've took a few uh, days off in the end of June, uh, we were with you last weekend. We didn't have a chance to cover the Outwater Council meeting, which is usually uh, what was going to happen at the Outwater Council meeting, which is usually the second Monday in July, or second Monday, second and fourth Mondays of the month. This month, there was only there's only going to be one council meeting in Outwater, and that's going to be on the 26th. So really nothing to bring you uh, from Outwater on the council meeting front. Uh, as you know, there's been... Uh, movement in the uh, current mayor of Atwater, uh, Paul Creighton, throwing his hat in the ring. Uh, I won't say early. Now's the time uh, for the District 3 race, which will be uh, against Darren McDaniel, the incumbent for sure, as Darren has announced his uh, re-election candidacy uh, bid to try to get re-elected here uh, for the third time. He's been in the saddle eight years, the longest-serving board member after Jerry O'Banion's departure. Also serves on McCag by default, which is again a very, very powerful governing body here in the county. 
some people would say somewhat weighted towards the Board of Supervisors. So Paul Creighton, the current mayor of Atwater, throwing his hat in the uh, in the ring against Aaron McDaniel. So that's kind of uh, in the Atwater news, even though there's been no city council meeting. Of course, next weekend on the 24th, our Citizen Watch show will bring you what's going to be discussed on the 26th. I know the last council meeting they had in Atwater, uh, very, very proud of the uh, work that they've done on the uh, 123 TCP uh, abatement, the uh, wellhead treatment that they're doing over there. You see it all over town, new pipelines being dug, uh, conduit being laid, facilities being built. And I think that's very, very close to coming online. If I'm not mis- if I'm not mistaken, I believe in the presentation, which was very thorough, uh, they're looking at getting that online before the end of the year. And it's nice to see that some of the problems that were brought up by the residents, by the council, some of the council members as far as the uh, contractor's effort, again, a very... A very quick timeline, a very aggressive timeline. Some of the, you know, the road patching, the uh, work in the street, uh, uh, some opinions on that. And again, the contractor responding uh, very satisfactorily to, as far as the council went to those concerns. So that project looks like it might be winding up. A big feather in the hat for Atwater. Also, I don't know if I talked about the splash pad it is open over there at Veterans Park. Again, with the weather heating up, and that's open, I believe, almost every day, uh, fairly early. I've been over there as uh, early as 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. It seems like people are running through that thing. So, again, that was good to see finally uh, opening, getting the final approvals. Again, uh, county approvals, those sorts of things. Lots of, lots of, uh, oh, we're out of this segment, lots of behind the scenes things that you don't necessarily see. Uh, that the city didn't have control of. Hey, listen, we're out of time for this first segment, the 6 a.m. hour. Citizen Watch Saturday morning. We'll be right back. Stay with us through the break. Here we are, Saturday morning, Citizen Watch. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Reset's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. 6 AM. Yeah, we're together today, uh, Saturday. Hey, just to let you know, maybe we'll be together tonight. I don't know, the swag event. Happening at the fairgrounds uh, over there at the fairgrounds. Martin Luther King Jr. Way. I believe the carnival has uh, departed after last weekend. A lot of people thought that was the fair. No, it was just at the fair. And tonight, the swag, students with aspiring goals, their events, I believe, sold out 6 p.m. tonight. I don't know what building. It wasn't real clear. There's only about three or four to choose from. 
Uh, I don't think it's the one with the new air conditioning. At least the air conditioning's not done yet. But hey, someday, soon, I think tonight will be uh, tonight will be pretty nice weather-wise. Going to be a wonderful event as they usually are. I believe this is the eighth, the ninth annual. I don't think they've had ten of these yet. Of course, they've been trying to do a lot of things. Speaking of Atwater, talking about water about Atwater a little while ago, Swag was trying to do some things at the rec center over there. I don't know if they were successful, but. I know they have some programs that they're trying to implement. Again, students with aspiring goals, not only athletic, but academic, uh, kind of melding the two, my understanding. So if you're there tonight, we'll see you. Say hi. And again, nice to see the events back in operation here in Merced. The fairgrounds being rented out, people having uh, things going on. The Outwater Fourth of July festivities were the last you know kind of big group thing that i went to of course coming up next month first thursday of the month in august is the mercado event downtown downtowner said just looking wonderful i tell you really like the one way i'm a big fan of that really slows the traffic down i usually uh, go somewhere to lunch on friday and you just you just walk across the street you don't even have to look anymore you just go across because traffic is creeping along they've got the lights on flash nobody knows uh, the people that that know it or doing it the people that don't they're they're cautious you just don't see people flying down main street uh if they do they're only going one way so it's a little easier to <laughs> a little easier to keep an eyeball on them you know one of the big things uh, so many things to talk about probably not going to get to them all even between the 6 and 8 a.m hour of course you know we're on twice on saturday as if you don't get enough after the 6 a.m show of course we have roger wood Community Conversation, six fantastic episodes. You don't want to miss those. Six, uh, excuse me, seven to eight a.m. And then uh, we're on again, eight o'clock. And another hour, that's our that's our flagship hour. And then nine o'clock to 9.30, the bonus half hour with me. This week, it's going to be Jim Costa, District 16. 9.30 to 10, Real Living Today with Dr. Bob. One of the big things that came out, we don't uh, talk a lot about national stuff unless it affects us. And DACA, uh, DACA affects us big time. This is the deferred action of uh, uh, for childhood arrivals, something that uh, President Obama uh, did uh, way back when President Obama and, uh, well, our current president was vice president, and the president was president, well, now, anyway, Joe Biden, that's right, Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe, running the government now, I think, but Friday afternoon yesterday, I'm going to read from an article, this was done by a gentleman who a lot of people know, Chris Kobosh. He was the Secretary of State for Kansas, uh, <laughs> a lot of K's there, during the 2011 and 2019 period, expert in immigration law and policy. He co-authored Arizona's uh, Senate Bill 20, uh, 1070, which was an immigration law uh, bill. Uh, he represented in federal court the 10 ICE agents who sued to stop Obama's 2012 DACA amnesty and during 2001 and uh, 2003, through 2003, he was the Attorney uh, General's chief advisor, uh, Attorney General Ashcroft. He was his chief advisor on immigration law at the DOJ, Department of Justice. So Chris Kobach, uh, hailing from Kansas, a great state out there in the Midwest. So I read from uh, his Article On Friday afternoon, U.S. District Judge Andrew Hannon of the Southern District of Texas issued an opinion, which what, that's what judges do, Supreme Court, all those guys, striking down 
but this was the Southern District of Texas, striking down President Obama's illegal DACA executive action, which was announced more than nine years ago. Nine years ago, these folks have been hanging on through this illegal action, now affirmed by the court of President Obama. Uncle Joe was there. They had the, I'm not reading from the article now, I'm opining. They had the majority, the Senate and the House, well, as they do now. It'll be interesting to see what they do in light of this decision. I go on from the article. DACA allowed virtually any illegal alien up to the age of 31. If you were 31 as of June 15th on 2012, again, when this legislation uh, was passed, uh, who claimed that he entered the United States before the ages of 16 to gain deferred action and remain in the country. The alien also became eligible for employment authorization. In practice, it ended up being an amnesty for more than 886,000 illegal aliens up to the age of 39 who received permission to stay in the United States along with work authorization, allowing them to compete against young Americans for the same jobs. But DACA was illegal and unconstitutional from the beginning. Only Congress could grant an amnesty en masse to illegal aliens. Ten ICE agents sued to block the DACA amnesty in 2012. He represented them, the author of this article I'm reading, Chris Kobach. And President Trump tried to repeal DACA, but the Supreme Court issued a perplexing decision in June of 2020, saying that the Trump administration didn't jump through the necessary administrative hoops to do so. However, the Supreme Court never answered the most important question. What if DACA was illegal from the outset? Justice Thomas did not shy away from answering the question in his dissent. Everybody knows Justice Thomas is on the Supreme Court of the United States. In his words, DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, created DACA during the Obama administration without any statutory authorization and without going through the requisite rulemaking process. As a result, the program was unlawful from its inception. Fortunately, the state of Texas had already filed another suit to stop DACA, and it was that long-awaited decision that was issued Friday, yesterday. Judge Hannon's 77-page decision is a powerful ruling that goes into exacting detail as to why President Obama's DACA amnesty was indeed unlawful from its inception. Judge Hannon points out, first and foremost, that DACA is illegal because the Obama administration created it in the form of a policy directive rather than as a formal regulation through the Administrative Procedure Act, the APA. Generating an agency regulation entails a long process whereby the agency promulgates a proposed rule providing public notice and inviting public comment, after which the agency must respond to criticism and justify the rule. So they never promulgated it out there in the society. They never told people about it. They just issued, these were these executive orders I know best. What Uncle Joe did the day he got in office, what it was 70 some, I forget what the number was. Again, not going through the Administrative Procedure Act. I go on from the article. The Obama administration did none of that when it created DACA. As Judge Hannon wrote, DHS failed to engage in the statutorily mandated process so DACA never gains status as a legally binding policy that it could impose duties or obligations. Fortunately, Judge Hannon did not end his opinion there. Department of Justice attorneys had indicated 
during the litigation of the case that the Biden DHS had plans to redo DACA as a formal administrative rule, going through the administrative process that the Obama Department of Homeland Security skipped. What would happen then? Judge Hannon provided an unequivocal answer. DACA would still be illegal. It violates federal law that makes DACA recipients unlawfully present in the United States. It violates federal law requiring illegal aliens to be placed into removal proceeding. And it violates federal law by creating a new path to, un to lawful status and work authorization. As Judge Hannon summed it up, thus all DACA applicants and recipients fall into a category for removal regardless of their mode of entry. The DACA memorandum prevents immigration officials from enforcing these provisions of the Immigration and Nationality Act. The ruling bars Biden's Department of Homeland Security from granting DACA status to any new illegal aliens. The question of what is going to happen to the aliens who have already been granted DACA status remains pending in Judge Hannon's court. Although the Biden administration will doubtless appeal this decision, Judge Hannon's opinion stands a very good chance of surviving any appeal. His legal reasoning is strong, and he spent a significant, significant amount of time writing it, but it was worth the wait. So again, this is Chris Kobach's opinion as a former Secretary of State in Kansas, as a former advisor to the Attorney General uh, under Ashcroft. It's, it's just interesting to me that when the ruling party uh, that brought up this executive order has the ability to pass legislation in the proper way to go through the accountability of, of their proposals fails to do so. They don't have the votes even within their own uh, party. The Republican Party has made several attempts to address this uh, very unsuccessfully and it's still a problem that's out there and now will just be exacerbated by this decision out of Texas yesterday. And it won't be the end of it. It will be appealed. It'll probably go to the Supreme Court of the United States. And again, it already has gone there, but not really looked at the main question, whether or not it's legal or not. And now this Texas judge has weighed in. So it'll be interesting to see if the current administration, again, holding a majority in the House, in the Senate, our own Congressman Costa, I know, is a proponent of some sort of immigration reform. A lot of people are calling it amnesty. Uh, some people say a pathway to citizenship. It's just frustrating that that pathway has never been defined. There's going to be a lot of emotion on both sides of this issue. As you know, the immigration numbers just this year are astounding. Over a million people apprehended at our southern border so far this year. We're just barely six months. I believe the numbers are only a six-month window. Uh, if it keeps up at that pace, and I hear it's increasing, uh, that would be two million by my MCOE math, six plus six. The point being is this problem is not going away. Something that was done uh, by President Obama nine years ago, now uh, still an issue and even probably more so since a lot of the people coming across are unaccompanied minors or they're coming into the country without their parents and being allowed to uh, go to other family members. It's, it's just creating a problem that was not anticipated by this open border policy that's been embraced by the Biden administration since they've got into office. And the numbers are just astounding, just absolutely astounding. And these decisions uh, through the courts that basically say you have to 
uh, honor the sovereignty and the proper way, the Nationality and Immigration Act, to come into the country. So very, very interesting decision. It's going to have a big repercussion here. We've seen the folks that stand up at the meetings that have the protest, you know, no ICE, no Immigrations and Custom Enforcement, even though it protects the community uh, that, that folks live in by getting bad actors out of those communities. There just seems to be zero tolerance tolerance for any kind of enforcement, any kind of border policy, any kind of Im- immigration policy, unless it's open borders, come as, come as many as you want, where you want, except when it goes to Cuba. Now, if it's Cuba and you take your boat over there and try to you know, bring some folks over uh, via the waterway, well, uh, very, very serious fines. And those have been reiterated by the Biden administration as recently as this week, warning folks that dare think about going over and freeing people from the chains of communism, families, folks that want to come to America, don't think about it, $250,000 fine, uh, boat impounded, 10 years in jail. We don't see that same stance, that same posture at our southern border. It's interesting how a land bridge is so much different than a water bridge. What's the difference, you tell me, when you're trying to get to America? Well, folks, we're out of the second segment of Citizen Watch. I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. We will be right back, the third and final segment of the 6 a.m. hour. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley. Citizen Watch on Merced's News Talk, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. Stick with us through the break. I hope nothing breaks. Medical care is expensive. Hey, here we are, third and final segment, Citizen Watch. 6 a.m. Saturday, July 17th, 2021. Hey, talk about walking on the moon. How about Richard Branson walking on the edge of space last week? What was that, Saturday, Sunday? It was on the internet. They had the live feed. Pretty exciting from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, which is a real name of a town. Named after an old game show. Or was the game show named after the town? (laughs) Oh, that's a trivia question. Anyway, they were launching, not much out there, but a lot of dirt. And they launched this rocket off of this airplane, flew it up. It was kind of like the uh, X-1. What was, who was that, Chuck Yeager? They flew him way up there, and that, and then they dropped off the wing of the B-29, and the, whoosh, the rocket goes on up to, I don't know, outer space or something. Very similar to that, a little more modern. Richard Branson, Virgin Atlantic, quite a character. I mean, this cat's been around as long as I know, uh, as long as I've been around, and uh, always doing something wild. I remember as a kid, he, I don't know, something in a balloon, you know, went around the world in a balloon. It was just... All kinds of uh, really interesting stuff. Of course, of a very uh, outgoing individual. And uh, it was quite interesting to see. I have to admit, very, very impressive, this uh, this uh, winged ship. Very different from Jeff Bezos' uh, effort, Amazon, 
Cuban-American, I might add, going into space, I think, what, later this week? Very very similar. Got the FAA approval. You know, we were talking about, let me just finish up on this. <laughs> uh, this immigration thing, uh, the DACA decision. Interesting how the southern border is treated differently than the Florida waterways, the coastal area of Florida, people coming over from Cuba, uh, trying to go across that waterway. And you look at the affiliation politically of some of the Cuban Cuban Americans who have assimilated over here, especially in the Florida area, a lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans, uh, the uh, Marco, of course Marco Rubio, uh, Cuban American, under uh, some other folks, uh, Jeff Bezos, we just talked about, and they used to have a policy uh, on the Florida area there, the the Keys, the islands, you know, the U.S. territories. They called it wet foot, dry foot. And if you were caught in the ocean coming over on a boat, uh, that would be considered wet foot. And you would be returned to Cuba if you made it and got your foot on dry land. Well, guess what? Immigration uh, status would be, would be you know, uh, the temporary, you know, you could claim asylum, asylum, refugee status, that sort of thing. That was discontinued under guess which administration? probably think, well, Trump, you know, he didn't want anybody. No, it was the Obama-Biden administration discontinued that because of the, well, I don't know if it was the folks that were coming over were a little too conservative or not, or ended up being conservative, but it's kind of interesting to me that we see in the demographics, in the polling numbers, uh, the greater numbers of conservatives in the Hispanic and uh, communities of color. So I think these immigration uh, policies of uh, certain administrations, particularly the one in office now, that think this is going to somehow help or benefit them in the long term, in the long run, in the short term, in the short run, I think uh, really are not betting on what America really stands for, the freedoms that it offers. And to offer people that and then to bind them with your rules and regulations once you get here, I think people see right through that. And that's what's going on in Cuba right now with the protests against communism. And we hear crickets from the administration supporting those folks. Basically a news blackout. You think of how many things we don't hear about anymore that used to be so big in the news when it came to sexual harassment, sexual abuse by public officials, yet nothing on the governor of New York, Mario Cuomo. Nothing whatsoever. Nothing about the nursing home deaths that happened under his watch and those, uh, those other governors. Nothing whatsoever, because it doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit the narrative. So hopefully people are big enough to understand that and uh, big enough to see that. Let's move on. Vaccine-free Studio C. Uh, very, very interesting how the vaccine resistance is going up and up and up every day. Here locally we see... Uh, some of the school districts struggling with what to do, going with the default of, hey, let's all wear a mask indoors. Uh, great to see that they also, with the caveat, hey, outdoors, you don't need one. Well, no kidding. And again, I, I'm going to ask the question, what kind of mask? Is that the N95, you know, the uh, the real mask? Or is that the, uh, you know, you take a pair of, uh, you know, <laughs> you take a pair of bike shorts, you know, you make a mask out of it. I mean, what is it? What, what are we trying to do here? So, uh, very, very interesting, the vaccine resistance, the addition of the uh, the door-to-door -door efforts 
of the federal government, uh, the COVID-19 witnesses coming to your door wanting to see your vaccination card. Let me see your papers. I don't know when this will transform into possibly, hey, how many guns do you have? Do you have anything we need to have? Uh, I don't. I just. I just find this uh, very, very Orwellian. Don't you? I think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people realize what's going on. Uh, there's a tremendous mistrust of the government. Uh, we get differing things out. Even the folks that are on board. Trust me, I have a lot of friends that are on board with this. They've they've drank the Kool Aid. They're they're ready to go. They you know booster. Hey, I'm you know roll up the sleeve. Let's get two. You know, why not? Because they said so. I mean, they must know what's good for me. My body, my choice. So funny. So funny how the libs, the uh, the uh, lean to the left, into the wind, you know, the Fidels, the, the, the Che Guevara's, you know, roll up the sleeve. You know, my body, my choice when you want to kill your kid. But uh, you, need to, you need to save me and get the jab. So here locally, 30% of the people have uh, bought the Kool-Aid. The other 70 are waiting on the sidelines, waiting to see what that test group does, waiting to see what the long-term choice is. I mean, how many times did they tell you as a kid... Don't do experimental drugs. So I find that some of the folks that are, again, on board with this, they're upset. They're upset because they can't take their mask off, even though they've done everything. You know, they've complied. They've, they've waited in line. They've had the swab up the, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the <laughs> where do they put it? Anyway, they, they've done all of that. Now they've got the Pfizer, the Moderna, the J&J. Hell, maybe all three. Why not? You know, I mean, that's what... That's what they're uh, debating now, the booster. You need a booster. I know, you know, I haven't needed a booster since I went to the restaurant with my parents and couldn't reach the table. But now uh, you may need a booster every year. I don't know. That's, uh, who knows, Dr. Fauci. You know, he's been around for, uh, how old is that cat, man? He, he's been around a long time, a lot of administrations. And uh, he's, he's just, what do you call it, a folly for those folks that, uh, that would uh, just kill themselves. Again, my choice, my body until it's not your choice and it's not your body. Uh, you know, make, a, make up your mind. So vaccine-free here in uh, Merced County, I forget what the dosages they have on hand available. I don't know, it's like a six-year supply. No problem, nobody's going. Uh, but a big outreach, uh, $350,000. Uh, a lot of the county of Merced to do vaccine outreach at these clinics, at these uh, flea markets, all kind of where people congregate is what they said. I don't know. How about underneath the bridge <laughs> over there on Childs Avenue? Hey, did you did you hear that the uh, the fire, the big uh, the big fire over there, the wrecking yard, the uh, Volkswagen uh, graveyard over there, Freitas Auto Wrecking, where all those old clad Don Yager is still crying in the paper, the Merced County Times, his article this week. Let's the cat out of the bag uh, again in print. What really happened? We can report it now. Caused by the homeless. No, it wasn't caused by a cleanup crew that, you know, accidentally parked their F-350 uh, 2021, uh, you know, uh, pickup there, picking up trap. No, no, it wasn't caused by that or, you know, restore Merced with all of their foot. No, it wasn't caused by that, the friction of that effort. No, it wasn't. No, it was caused by homeless along the ditch bank in back of the wrecking yard per Don Yoker's, uh, Don Yoker, however you say his name, he used to work for the Sunstar over there, loves old cars. He was heartbroken about the hundred or so uh, classic pieces of iron over there, uh, the rusted out hulks uh, that uh, burn up 
over there, about 25%, I guess, of the inventory over at Freitas, uh, approximately $400,000, according to the article in the Merced County Times this week. But what I found interesting, and again, I opined on it last weekend because I had heard unofficially that it was homeless, and I've heard this through uh, from several people. Of course, you won't see that officially reported because that's not a Chamber of Commerce moment. You know, you're driving by Merced, you're on the 99. Hell, I think you could see that from I-5. You know, this big column of black smoke. It looked like when the uh, Air Force was here, when they used to light off the old jet fuel in the day. You know, you'd see that on a Saturday as a kid. You're like, wow, I wonder if one went down or they're just doing maintenance. You know, dur- uh, you know, burning something off over there. Most of the time, it was the uh, it was maintenance. But here, uh, you know, on a Friday night, we see this this plume of smoke, the the, the typical area where everything's happening. You're going, you know, I wonder, I wonder. Well, yeah, it, it was. It was. So all of the cleanup efforts, all of those things, uh, how's that working out? How's that working out? How's that working out, getting those folks off the ditch bank, off the creek banks, off the sidewalks, off the... How is that working out? How is that working out? You know, I saw a big uh, article in the on the Facebook. I don't know if it was on the mayor's page, Mayor Macerato, our new mayor. Uh, when do I say new? What, six months in now, eight months in? He was there touting the cleanup over there at the dog park. Now, I thought, you know, when you take your dog to the dog park, it's just common courtesy that you clean up after your dog. But again, foolish me, stupid me. You know, I'm not the brightest star in the sky here. And, and I, I thought it was cleaning up, you know, the, you know, the poop that people left behind from their dogs. No, I was, I was wrong. No, it was people poop. At the dog park, which isn't it ironic? I mean, could we make that into a verse of a song? So they're over there. When I say they're the DART team. Now, this is the police officers, the disruptive area response team. Again, cleaning up another homeless camp. Another homeless camp at the dog park. (laughs) I guess people would probably notice if the homeless went into the dog park and did their business and just kind of, hey, that's a fido. (laughs) It wasn't me, man. That's the biggest German shepherd I've ever seen. What are you feeding him? Tomahawk steaks over there at Bella Luna. Anyway, I, I just find this so offensive with the money that we're paying, the money we shotgun at this stuff, these efforts that the, uh, the, the, the <laughs> what do you, what do you want to call it? The, the consequences of all of these homeless folks just camping out anywhere they want to go in our community. Burning up these wrecking yards. What did Doan say? These cars have survived 50 years. Yeah, until last Saturday or a couple of weeks ago, whenever it happened, was that 4th of July weekend? And when's the next one going to happen? You know, we saw the big building over there on M Street right across from the Board of Realtors. Boy, that's got to be a Board of Realtor moment. Yeah, we're selling new houses here in Merced. Yeah, don't, don't notice the destroyed commercial spaces. I mean, how many times does it have to, ha- have to happen? And again, the money we're putting at this. I mentioned Restore Merced. They just got a contract at the last city council meeting in Merced for over $650,000 for a four-year effort to clean up, quote-unquote, hot spots in Merced. Now, I don't know if the wrecking yard torching is a hot spot. Was it a hot spot before it got torched? During it, I guarantee it was a hot spot. Afterward, that metal was probably still hot for a little while. And that was supposed to be an effort to teach these folks how to be responsible, wake up, literally brush their teeth. I mean, it was just, 
It was unbelievable. And then under the guise of picking up trash. And, of course, these folks participated at the cleanup at the dog park the other day because, again, $600,000 for a four-year effort. Hey, where do I go? Well, I'll tell you where we go is we're out of time for this segment of Citizen Watch. About to call it the news. We do that every week, 6 a.m. Hey, listen, my name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Citizen Watch, Merced's News Talk Station, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM. I'm going to get some water. I'm getting a little hoarse here. We're going to have the 8 o'clock hour. We're going to talk about the city council meeting. It's going to be happening Monday here in the city of Merced. We'll be uh, with you at 8 o'clock. Stick with us through the break for Roger Wood. <laughs> 